Hello, fitness humans, and welcome to episode 11 of Wave Talks, Fitness for Humans. Today, we're talking about the circadian rhythm and what it is and why it's important and what it is. Oh, no, wait, I already said that. It's like I'm tired because my circadian rhythm is off, possibly because of daylight savings time. Whoa. I know. Relevant. I actually thought we were going to get rid of daylight savings time from last year, but something didn't happen. So here we are. Yeah, it's true. What is circadian rhythm? It regulates hormones in the body, which includes hormones for hunger, digestion, mood, and even more. And it's really important to know about this circadian rhythm because it is something that is malleable and a lot of people i think think that it is fixed it is something that is is like you know once you are bad at sleeping once you are a night owl once you are an early bird that's it that's who you are that's how it is except that's not how it is because you can change your sleep hygiene or the things that you do around your sleep to maintain the integrity of your sleep to change how your circadian rhythm works in your body. Did you guys know that newborn babies don't have a circadian rhythm? I did not. They develop it based on the environment that they're raised in for about the first six months of life and the parenting slash nurturing that they get through that period of time too. That also makes sense because they've been in the womb where it's dark, so there's no ability to have circadian rhythm since a lot of that's related to light. Yeah, and alarm clocks. And there's probably not alarm clocks in there either i think you probably hear the alarm clock outside of their parents body technically if they can hear music they can technically hear the alarm clock hmm interesting sounds like a great basis for a scholarly study (laughs) can babies hear alarm clocks is that the study i think so i think so Can we get money for that? I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about the topic. Does that increase efficacy in the workplace when they're 40 years old? Exactly. Oh my (laughs) gosh. But looping back to the point, if you have poor sleep hygiene or you wake up tired all the time, there is actually still hope. I don't know how much you guys are thinking that this topic has changed, and I'll be interested to hear that, but I definitely grew up at that time where you were told, like, oh, you're an early bird. Oh, you're a night owl. And it was just kind of always expected. It was always thought that that's how you were going to be for your whole life. But I definitely have changed through the years, especially when I was in music, I would be up until all hours of the morning. And I mean, back then, I'd also be up first thing in the morning, too. So was I a night owl and an early bird? There is no way I could do that today. So I definitely have different sleep habits than I did when I was was younger. I definitely have different sleep habits than when I was younger. I used to wake up between 9 and noon almost every single day as a teenager. And then as I got older, that became earlier and earlier. There used to be a time that if I got up before 7 a.m., I would be physically ill. Whereas now I get up at 6 a.m. every day. And if I get up past 8.30, I'm just out for the rest of the day. Right. So it definitely changes over time in relation to your habits, your hormones, and all those other things. And your life needs. And your life needs. Yep. But one of the big ones that we all deal with that we mentioned at the head of this uh, conversation was daylight savings time. And it literally takes up to a month to get. For some people, it can be a little bit quicker. For some people, it can be a little bit more, depending. But it's crazy that we subject ourselves to this this societal 
<laughs> experiment every year. And what they've found is that there's more acts of violence, there's more car accidents, there's more home and work accidents, and more kinds of malady during that period of time, directly after daylight savings time, and the, the days that are following daylight savings time. That's how much the circadian rhythm gets thrown off, like, by that, that whole thing. So we, as Jess had mentioned, were part of the conversation here where we do this podcast and film our YouTube videos and, and everything else. We were part of that conversation to abolish daylight savings time. And, and yes, where did that conversation go? They must have gotten tired and forgot about it because of daylight savings time. <laughs> they're too tired to remember. <laughs> exactly. And I've heard about nine different reasons why daylight savings time exists. And there's no actual official one that can take full credit for what it is. Was it the farmers? Was it the stock exchange or like the markets or like the factories or like there's so many explanations for why it exists. And yet no explanation why it should continue to exist. Exactly. Like it's it, uh, it's just a tradition and we just do traditions there's because lots of tradition. other things that are traditions that have been abolished because they are useless. Yeah. Or bad or bad. Mm hmm. So beyond daylight savings time, there's also a big discussion with circadian rhythm around vitamin D. And vitamin D is in all of the news right now because there were a lot of positive associations made for high dosing vitamin D during a COVID infection. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the other reason why vitamin D went into short supply about two years ago, because everybody found out that it could help with all kinds of sleep issues and potentially act as a natural sunscreen and help you to not burn as much in the sun and all these other things. We will focus on the sleep aspect, obviously, of the vitamin D, because the body has a master clock. It's called the SCN, and SCN actually stands for two different things that I can't think of the name of right now. But these areas in the body and brain have a lot of vitamin D receptors. So usually, if there's an issue with sleep, there's also a correlation to vitamin D deficiency. That might be something to consider. It's cheap, it's easy to try if you're having sleep issues. I am not a doctor, do not take my advice. Check with a health professional if you're gonna go that route, but anecdotally, it seems like a pretty reasonable thing if you're sleep deprived and it's because of a vitamin D deficiency. If you take vitamin D, theoretically, you should be able to supplement that and solve that issue. And Jess will go into another way to supplement that vitamin D in just a couple of minutes here. And finally, I want to bring up something that is being proposed by a couple of doctors, in fact, Dr. Edward Hallowell and Dr. John Ratey, to replace the term ADHD, which is VAST. And VAST is Variable Attention Stimulus Trait. This encompasses most of the traits of ADHD, except it also includes what we're doing to ourselves in society with modern technology because the technology is blasting us with light late into the night, forcing us to switch brains as we flip through multiple topics progressively faster and faster. We're forcing our brains to stay on, to stay highly active through times that we would normally be winding down, and we're exposing ourselves to light at times where we should be kind of sitting in the dark and letting our brains figure out like, okay, it's time for sleep, it's time to release melatonin, it's time to go to bed. So I've brought up a lot of things. I've brought up daylight savings time, I've brought up vitamin D, I've brought up VAST, and there's still more to talk about. 
but I'm all out of breath, so I'm going to pass this on to Jess. So circadian rhythm, because it's so based in light exposure, you'll actually see a change in circadian rhythm with the seasons, mostly if you live in the northern hemisphere where we have very different seasons. If you live further into the southern hemisphere, it's often above a certain degree, like let's say Australia, they live between 16 and 40 degrees, whereas in Canada, we live between minus 40 and plus 40 in some regions. So we have very different seasons and very different light exposure. And it's come up a lot with our clients recently where they say, why does my body go through these changes with the changing seasons? Well, a huge part of that does have to do with the way we change to adapt to those seasons. It makes sense that we would modify, change, and accommodate that change in circadian rhythm. Usually we get a reduction in vitamin D since we're not exposed to as much light and an increase in melatonin, which makes us more sleepy more tired because there's more darkness our body is associating that darkness with it's time to go to bed there's other ramifications with that for people who work night shifts but we'll go into that another time some other things that kind of happen in the winter that a lot of our clients bring up is i have this weight gain i'm pretty frustrated with that so that usually plays in with food availability changes during that season Right In the summer, we're more likely to have fruits and vegetables, lighter foods that don't make us warm. They're easy to digest and it's not heavy to digest. Whereas fall and winter, we collect squashes, we collect pumpkin, all these other things that are a little bit more heavy and a little bit more to digest. So it actually helps us keep warm in a way too. Another thing that happens during the winter season or colder seasons is that we tend to take more calories to stay warm. So if you're spending more time outside, it takes more energy to warm the airway and to actually ingest into the body. So this is how we can start to accumulate, quote unquote, some holiday weight. Our body goes through these ebbs and flows with the season and that's just normal. One thing they actually found in a study published by Scientific Reports in 2017 is that as the sun is exposed to our skin, the droplets of fat that live in our body actually shrink down slightly. Yes, this study was done on hamsters and other guinea pigs, but it's something to take into account because they are mammals just like us. Even though they're covered in hair and we're not, who's to say that it wouldn't be similar in us as well? Are you suggesting that I have hamster fat? I'm suggesting that as mammals, we share a lot of characteristics with rodents. And because doing studies like this on humans is not always okay, they tend to do them on animals. Not always a good thing, depending on the type of study, but they're exposing guinea pigs to light. So I'm not entirely worried about this study. There are differences between warm weather and cold weather seasons. Sometimes in those cold weather seasons, we're spending more time in darkness, more times indoors more time with melatonin influencing us and making us tired. So it makes more sense that we would have less motivation for exercise. Whereas in summer, there's more bioavailability for food. There are just bigger ranges of fruits and vegetables. We might be more inclined to spend time outside. We're getting exposed to sunlight, which might actually be diminishing adipose droplet size. So there's a lot of things to consider when you are comparing seasons. So let's talk a little bit about season comparisons and things that you might do in the summer versus in the winter or eat in the summer versus the winter. So from personal experience, Dee, what have you found differs between seasons? Like you said, I definitely spend more time outside in the summer and going for walks and hiking and moving around. 
also COVID definitely changed the way I spend my time. So even last summer, we were able to do some outdoor social stuff, but that has changed. So we're hoping we can do a little bit more of that now. Definitely in the winter, I spend a lot more time watching movies and TV shows. And to be honest, that is a hobby I do all year round. But just when the weather's gloomier, I spend even more time watching those shows. And then my food changes, just like you said. I love having nice fresh salads and fresh fruits and veggies and strawberries and blueberries and all that good stuff all in the summer, which we don't get as much of in the winter. And like I'll have frozen veggies and fruits, but it's just not not quite the same. I do go for warm holiday comforts like hot chocolate and warm drinks and definitely heartier foods and soups and stuff I can um, really sink my teeth into like carb filled things. And it's, you know, as I'm, I'm not overeating, I'm checking with my hunger cues. It's just those are the things I'm drawn to and my activity is lower and that feels okay for that time of year. So that's kind of what what I go with. And I would say normally it's part of like the cultural excitement of being able to have comfort food in the winter. Everyone says, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so excited for winter because now I can have, you know, mashed potatoes and big turkeys and spend time (laughs) with people and drink more because it's wear scarves and sweaters scarves and sweaters and pumpkin spice lattes and all those things that people normally get excited about so i think it's actually become part of our culture to do that as well as circadian rhythms i did want to add one more thing to mine the like upside to covid was that all these different businesses and stuff pivoted their businesses online kind of like we have an online fitness business but it opened up an opportunity for me to take regular dance classes and that was not something I would ever do in the winter because there aren't that many close to me so I'd have to like drive very far and find them and so now I'm doing dance three times a week and I've been doing it most of winter and I would not have done that any other year so there are ways to find activity but our environment is less conducive to it definitely in Mm -hmm. the winter time. Mm -hmm. How about you, Kim? What do you find is different? I think in the winter, my habits don't change a whole lot. I'm pretty stubborn. I suppose the amount of walking that I do decreases a bit. I take the dog for a walk pretty regularly. And she, being a hot weather dog, does not like the cold weather and thus likes to go on shorter walks when it is cold out, which, I mean, to her... I guess really that could be most of the year (laughs) living here and not Mexico. But other than that, I think that realistically food choices start to change. I do find that I crave denser foods and kind of, you know, get that little shine on for carbs when you when you see them. And I'm starting to and I'm noticing that more right now that I'm more okay like I'm shifting right now into being more okay with not eating (laughs) any carbs I'm not getting cravings for like the salty like savory things that I normally would and I'm I'm moving back towards like higher protein and and um more kind of whole food and, and what have you so and then I think I get nostalgic in the winter too I don't know if that has totally. I don't yes. know if that has anything to do with with circadian rhythm, but I definitely want to watch like it, like Uncle Buck at least once uh, the movie, not the TV show, by the way. Uh, like at least once in the season, probably. Uh, you know, Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know. It's it's not good, but it's nostalgic. 
maybe like every John Hughes movie, except Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> Never really been, and not really. She's having a baby either. But every other John Hughes movie, pretty much. Maybe it's your way of getting festive because, like, I watch holiday movies and they're all super nostalgic and old. Maybe. But it's such like a slice of my youth and I don't know if that's there's any correlation to like when I was watching these movies in my youth and if it's like when the weather gets a certain way I'm like oh obviously it's time to watch a John Candy movie obviously it's time to watch a John Hughes movie it's a lot of Johns in the in the, in the world. nostalgia of, of my my world at least so and then other than that would I say I I don't know I've never really thought about like the the like drinking anymore or any of those other kind of common tropes that people talk about I I, I don't know if I do I, I've never really considered that so I guess that should be our second scholarly study we uh, need we need money government for these <laughs> scholarly studies so I find that for me I have a little bit of a shift in the activities that I do from summer to winter as the weather starts to turn to a little bit wetter a little bit colder I find that my activity shifts from being outdoor and social to being indoor and social, which usually involves more alcohol for me specifically. I definitely tend to drink more in the winter and that becomes my activity. So when I don't know what to do on a Wednesday night, I go and I try a new brewery or I have a rum and coke with my partner on the couch while we cozy up. Those are things that I find I favor more in the winter versus the summer where it's too hot to cozy up with my partner. And I don't necessarily want to be drinking something that's super heavy and gonna make me feel warmer. So I find also that I tend to favor carbohydrates. Carbs are my huge friend in the winter. I'll probably eat bread at least once a day, maybe twice a day. And I think that a huge part of that is, like I mentioned earlier, is the availability of fruits and vegetables. Because in the summer, I pretty much exclusively eat fruits, vegetables, and salads because it's too heavy to eat bread all the time. And you go outside when you've had a huge thing of bread or a bagel and you feel almost weighed down and too hot, like you can't digest it. So I find my foods really change as well as my activities. So what do we do with these changing seasons? What do we do that will help us uh, accept that, you know, our body changes with our seasons and circadian rhythms? What do we do? What do we do, Dee? I don't know what to do. I would say that we forget getting rid of daylight savings time. We just get rid of the other seasons. Problem solved. <laughs> we could definitely ditch the second half of winter. And maybe the last month of fall well, and the first month of spring. Especially no. here. Especially here, because what, what we need to do here in uh, the western part of Canada is probably just get rid of, you know, like, what, kind of the, like, October, even like November. I love October. November, November can go. No, we need January November. and February can go. Yeah, no. yeah. And we get snow in January and February. And maybe that's why it can you go. too. And spring get break. Get good snow here. You need to move east. Spring break can go too because that's usually the rainiest season that we get. We're, yeah, but there's less traffic on the roads for me. So. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. but honestly, we don't get good snow here. I don't know what you're you're on about because it still looks pretty when it's falling down. And then we get like three to five days of like 
The murder. The ice sheet. The murder slush. Yeah. Everyone thinks, you know, across Canada that Vancouver likes to complain about our snow. And sure, fine. We don't get much snow. But what's really just complained about the snow. But what's really terrible is the mixture of humidity with the ice rain. That's really, really cold. And then it makes this nice ice sheet that you can't skate on. You can't have fun with. It's not even an ice sheet. It's slush. It's like slushy ice sheet. Sheet is being pronounced wrong, by the way. Sheet? Yeah. Shit. Shit, Jess. I'm saying sheet. Yeah. It's a slushy ice shit. (laughs) Slushy ice shit. Slushy ice shit. It's a slushy ice shit. Shit slushy ice? Yeah. Slushy ice shit. But you Say try that to five you, times. You try slushy to drive in it. Slushy ice shit. It's really hard. You try to drive in it. It's terrible. It's awful. Well, you don't it's, drive in it. You just slip in it until you get into a car accident. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and hope for the best. So we get like one day of like picturesque snow. Take a picture. Everybody put it up on your social media. And then you get like four days of news clips. You get four days of news clips of cars sliding into each other. And then it's gone. You're being dramatic. And then our insurance rates go up, D. Our insurance rates go up. I personally don't mind it. I just love listening to Cam complain about it. I love going for a walk in the snow, even if it's just a tiny little bit that's coming down. If it's slushy, it doesn't matter. Go to a mountain. I will. (laughs) I will. (laughs) That's great. Um, Now you get to talk. Yeah, where were we? My favorite thing to say is meet your body where it's at. So same thing applies here. Meet your body where it's at in the season that it's at and we'll accommodate and adjust. So because our circadian rhythms are significantly affected by external cues, like Cam was saying in the beginning with sunlight and temperature, even social interactions, exercise, sleep, all that kind of stuff. How do we support that to try and improve our rhythms or lean into our rhythms? There are lots of things we can do. Um, Part of that is trying to figure out a bit of an eating schedule. So not meaning that you should be eating in a way that's like helping a diet, but your circadian rhythms affect when you're hungry and your digestion processes. So changing your eating times all over the place can affect that rhythm and make you feel tired and awake at times when you're not usually feeling tired and awake. And there's a, there was a study done by Brown et al. that suggests that restricted feeding may influence body temperature cycles, which affects your circadian rhythm, because that restriction in your food intake can alter the anabolic and catabolic tissue cycles in your cells. So it is really interesting where we kind of go into checking in with yourself and listening to your body and figuring out when those hunger and fullness signals are coming. So we can follow those to allow our circadian rhythms to kind of do their thing. Exercise is also really helpful for um, helping your circadian rhythm keep its rhythm. So again, you just want to check in with how you're feeling because exercise tends to be stimulating. So if you're feeling tired throughout the day or in the morning, exercising in the morning or midday might provide a good pick-me-up and then help you fall asleep better later. But if you exercise in the evening and then struggle to get to sleep, it could be that you're wired for like the hour or two after your workout. So it might be helpful to adjust your workout time. So since we just had daylight savings, our schedules have had to move an hour. And so I know 
I'm feeling and a lot of people are feeling that they're extra tired, it's harder to get up in the morning, and then it's hard to go to bed at night because it's earlier than your body thinks. So I know we have to adjust those schedules, but it can be helpful to make some consistency around that once you're on that new schedule. So trying to get up and go to bed at the same time every day can allow your body to find some consistency and then adapt to that new schedule. So even if you're tired, maybe for the first bit, still try getting up early. That way you're actually tired when it comes time to get to bed a little bit earlier. Hydration can also help with your sleep. If your body knows that your thirst is quenched, then it's not going to wake you up in the middle of the night to get some more water. Also, if you're not used to drinking more water and you're afraid of peeing all night and not being able to sleep because of that, your body will adapt to that as well. So, I mean, making sure you're hydrated is always a helpful thing to check in on. So if it's going to help with your natural body rhythms, then why not keep that going? The amount of times I hear people tell me they don't want to drink water before bed because they don't want to have to get up to pee. Get up to pee and go back to sleep. Well, and that's like, that's part of the circadian rhythm. Like if you're not, if you're not going to bed at the same time, like if you don't have a rhythm going, then your body doesn't know that you're in your sleep mode. So you might be more likely to wake up to pee or to get water. So if you can make those habits where your body knows that it's bedtime, it's not going to tell you to pee and it's going to be able to help you hold off. But all of this is habitual. So it takes time if we're not used to already employing these techniques to help us sleep better and drink more and exercise and all these fun things. Uh, Light also has a significant effect on our circadian rhythms. So talking about screen time, I mean, we're all spending so much time on our screens. It's it's the age we're in, it's the technology, and it's a little bit of the uh, pandemic as well. And sometimes it's TV, computer, phone, watch. Everything. Everything. All the technologies all all at the same time. Yeah. Can I just pipe in about that? That's going back to that idea of vast being that we are, as you just said, switching between all these different things. I'm watching TV. I'm on my iPad. I'm looking at my phone. I'm checking my watch. I thought the watch was an extension of the phone, but I don't have one. So maybe. Still has a screen. I guess so. But we're also changing brain. Like you're also like clicking through all these different things that are yeah I mean like this is funny this is sad this is emotional this is happy this is funny this is sad as you're never really thought about that but you're right it is like jumping back and forth through not necessarily brain but emotional attachment to whatever you're looking at Mm -hmm. so which is sporadic and can feel unhealthy and overwhelming and because like you would get anxious from that over time well yeah you condition your brain over time with Mm -hmm. that and we've all been staring at insta book and twit talk for long enough i'm with it guys (laughs) well and i feel like the more we're jumping between so many things the more we probably crave like having all these multiple stimuli yeah because they're they're little they're so so all of the research around adhd is, is about how people with adhd tend to have low dopamine production or uptake and there's there's still a lot of debate about that but that being said one of the hallmarks of ADHD is this 
propensity to always kind of jump ship on like projects or something that you're doing like I was doing this and then I was doing that and now I'm doing this and then I'm doing that and like oh look at that over there and oh there's a butterfly and oh da 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 like that's that's kind of what everybody always thinks about with ADHD but one of the kind of more more accepted theory is that it is a, a low dopamine so every time you have one of those new experiences it generates a dopamine hit in the brain and what's happening with VAST is the, the theory is that we are conditioning ourselves to have ADHD. Essentially, we are conditioning ourselves to get these quick dopamine hits from all of these stimulus generators like the iPhone or the Samsung phone or I don't know what the kids have. The flip phone. Is the Razor still a thing? I don't know. Is the new Razor still a and thing? I don't know. And then as it peters out, you lose interest and you jump to the next thing. Yeah, well, and, and or you're like flipping through or you're doing this and doing that. Which is similar to circadian rhythm and caffeine intake, for example, because you'll have your caffeine in the morning and it gives you this huge jump. And then you peter out, you think you're tired around two o'clock and you'll look for the next dopamine hit, your coffee. It's a good example. With going back to what Dee was saying about the screen time, it's also the content on the screen, I think, that's important, too. Like, we just can't disregard that. So not only does being exposed to artificial light, but also with a variety of content that we're presented with, with all the different social media, we're getting all these different light signals and cues to our internal clock, making it harder to fall asleep if we're doing that before bed, and then even harder to stay in a deeper sleep or get into a deeper sleep. Um, something to help with this too is not just like putting your phone away before bed, but also spending more time outside in natural light at natural light times. So again, that's where summer can really feed into that because it's lighter out for longer. And so we do spend more time out there, but even in the winter, getting out and getting that natural light and then almost trying to follow the patterns of the natural light. I mean, we know when the winter gets dark pretty early, so we don't just want to live our life in the dark in the evening when we have things to do, but just trying to tune into that a little bit more can be helpful. Our body sends us these cues with biofeedback, so via hormones, so like hormones that affect our digestion, reproduction, stress management. Also our cognitive function is signaling to us and our energy levels, among other things that I can't really think of right now. But you know, just simple things like how do you feel after dinner? Is it hard to sleep after eating a big meal? Is it hard to sleep when you're hungry? Because are you up thinking about how hungry you are? Or if you're dealing with some challenging, uncomfortable, or painful feedback from your body, can you link it to any of the habits you're doing? You know, maybe long work hours, lack of sleep, inconsistent eating, having to take care of a fur baby or a human baby that's keeping you up at ridiculous hours of the nights. Like some of those things you won't be able to control, but can you get support to be able to cope with them a little bit better? Or can you use supplements to help manage those when we don't really have control over some of those outside elements that are preventing us from getting nice consistent schedules? So some supplements are vitamin D, which I think Cam and Jess both talked about. Um, so higher levels of vitamin D are also linked to longer sleep duration and better sleep quality. Melatonin is also involved in your circadian rhythm, so doing some supplementation with that can help you get a rhythm that works for you a little bit better, but of course any of these supplements need to be used with the advice of a doctor, not the advice of podcast hosts. And then I think Jess touched on caffeine. Caffeine consumption definitely goes up in the winter as it is a warm beverage and most people are craving something warm to feel 
well warm in the cold season and usually goes down in the summer in terms of hot coffee you'll often get blended sugary caffeine drinks or just iced <laughs> coffees i was gonna say which creates a host of other issues that which creates a host of about, other actually, issues so. uh, refined check sugar, out our other podcasts blah 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 <laughs> but caffeine is people use it to help them regulate circadian rhythms and will often cloud dips in hormones and circadian rhythm by blinding it or covering it with caffeine Mm -hmm. so if you start to find yourself craving caffeine you know i I need a second coffee i need a third coffee instead switch to water and try to get outside because you might just need a kick of sunlight because as humans we kind of rely on sunlight for a lot of things it's part of the reason why we are with the way we are so try to get some water in and keep that caffeine you know not saying eradicate it but maybe try not to have three to four coffees on a cold, wintry day. If well, you are, sorry, I just want to make sure that we say something here. If you are cutting caffeine out of your life at any level or reducing the caffeine intake, there is a withdrawal process that you have to honor. There's no way around it. It's going to suck. Do not and, go cold turkey. Well, definitely don't go cold turkey. But I mean, if you're doing four cups of coffee a day, start by doing... Three. three cups and a cup of decaf or something like that because you need to step down from the caffeine intake because caffeine withdrawal can actually mimic depression so be cautious with diminishing caffeine intake and do it slowly and smart yeah and it can also have a lot of the same effects we're talking about with uh, big changes in the circadian rhythm with the daylight savings time i mentioned how there's an increase in violence and car accidents and work and home accidents and are you whatnot. saying i'm gonna have road rage if i don't have coffee potentially yeah actually and i mean like funny enough like you have too much caffeine you have road rage you have not enough caffeine you have road rage i mean and then the foggy brain and all the rest of the things that come along with it so we're just saying like temperance is key in that particular regard and then with melatonin i just wanted to say that there's a lot of studies in the past that have shown that it was detrimental if you were taking it long term because your body would stop producing it but it's also one of the most effective things to use for uh treatment of adhd outside of um like classified drugs um and caffeine actually is as well so the melatonin and caffeine that have been being used for uh, adhd are now being applied to that same like wider application of vast and so again using those under the supervision of a health provider within reason and limits of of you know the recommended daily guidelines for for these things should be safe and can actually help bridge the gap between where you are now and the sleep pattern that you're hoping for well and i mean what i want to say with caffeine is that just knowing that it's a short-term energy boost it's not like it might feel like a magical drug that helps you get through the day and you can be you know the super productive person but it's it's a supplement that creates a short-term energy boost and it might also taste good and so just understanding when to use it and you know like cam is saying just being aware of of what it's doing when you're using it and then keeping in mind too that the timing of that is going to affect your circadian rhythm so it takes on average about five hours for caffeine to leave your system so ooh, cam has corrected me up to eight apparently the thing i read said up to five but i'm sure there are many other things as well 
But the point of that is that if you do have a hard time getting to bed and you're having coffee at around six o'clock at night or after dinner, even just before dinner, that could definitely be hindering your ability to get to sleep. So any supplements you're taking, definitely check with your doctor. Make sure they're thoughtfully chosen and thoughtfully planned out and you're getting care with them. Yeah, I I think that um, we are not advocating for any particular supplement or anything like that, but we are providing you with... Explore your options. Yeah, we're providing you with options that you can explore, as Jess has just said, and figure out what works for you. And in fact, we'd love to hear from you if we've missed something that seems so obvious. If there's a herbal tea that your grandma used to make that would worked a hot damn to get you to sleep. Hot damn. It was, I, I will tell you, if it's your grandma's herbal uh, tea recipe that only she could make, it had alcohol in it, just FYI. It, she was feeding you alcohol as a child. That That's what was happening right there. But if you have something like that, we'd love to hear about it. So let us know. You can email us or hit us up on social or check out our YouTube page, visit our website, any of those things. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know. What about the circadian rhythm are you thinking that you can add to this conversation? Let's have that conversation. Fitness humans, we love you. We are so grateful that you've spent this time with us. This podcast, before it was edited, was much, much longer than this. So we're stoked that you stuck around for even this long. And what did you miss? It was a lot of me. Because I probably got cut out the most. And that's okay, because I just do a lot of talking. And in all of that talking, sometimes I make a point. (laughs) So we will be back in two weeks for our next podcast, which is about... Sugar. Frappe. (laughs) Sugar frappe. (laughs) That actually probably is going to be the next, uh, like, big thing. Sugar frappe. Because it was, what was the rainbow one? The unicorn. The unicorn uh, blended drink or whatever. Was that called unicorn puke? Is that where I heard that? Unicorn. It was just the unicorn. I think it was just called frap. a. But it was like frap. it was like legendary for having like the most sugar of any Starbucks drink ever, or something like well, that. I mean, anything that's that colorful and fake must have a lot of sugar in it. I mean, yeah. Uh, and one thing I'd like to clarify: caffeine doesn't taste good, guys. You guys kept saying that caffeine tastes good. Caffeine is a bitter, disgusting thing. It's amazing. It's Yeah, the drug is amazing, but you don't taste the caffeine. See, it's funny because the caffeine does not agree with me very well, yet I love having a latte. Yeah, but you don't. You love maybe the ritual, you love the, you milk. Love the milk, you love the I taste love of the, the coffee. I love the ritual, and I love the combination of the espresso. Yeah, but that's, Sometimes that's... I literally get excited to go to bed so that I can wake up and have my coffee. Like, that's amazing. Mm, I want to go to bed so I can wake up and drink coffee again when i worked at a clothing store why is that store? your head voice sorry when I... you worked at a clothing sorry that, that just threw me right off there it's fair wow fair. okay sorry you worked at a clothing store when and i you... worked at a clothing store like i'd see people come in with their lattes like and they're having a shopping day with their lattes and i'd be like oh my gosh they're having the best day because they're coming in here with a latte so it's definitely about like it's not like what i'm drinking it's just the whole idea of the latte that gets me so excited
like cigarettes. I liked the action of like inhaling something and holding it. And you felt cool with it between your fingers. Maybe. I I really wasn't. Um, but I guess at the time, maybe I thought I was, or it was social, or it was nice to go outside and have a smoke with somebody, and it became a ritual more than it became an actual... Something that you I enjoy, enjoy the, the actual product. I think also a lot of times the kids that stick with smoking have life stresses that the nicotine deals with. And I mean, that's really what cigarettes do at the outset is they calm nerves. The Mm. nicotine... They also release all holes, but that's another problem. (laughs) So... (laughs) That took me a second. I was like, yeah, yeah, she just said that. Yeah. Yeah. What, have you never had a cigarette and then needed to take a shit? Like, that's a thing. No. Because really? it relaxes your nervous system. It relaxes sphincters. Sphincters? Sphincters. 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 